Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Welcome to another episode of Ayers on the Road. Linda is not with us today. She's actually with her four daughters and her four daughters-in-law having a I don't know what they call it, a conference, a women's meeting, a future mothers of our realm. I don't know what it is, but I'm solo today, except for the fact that I have with me my good friend, Christopher Robbins, not only a friend, but our publisher. And we're going to talk today about books and about families and about the future of both. Does that sound okay, Christopher? Well, we'll do our we'll do our best. Okay, let's do the personal first before we get to the publishing. Um, I'll tell you a little about Christopher, and then I'll ask him to fill in some gaps. One thing I know is he, like I, is the father of nine children, which would lead you to wonder how he has time to do anything else. <laughs> but Christopher, we met years ago through my oldest daughter. And you were just beginning a new adventure, namely starting your own publishing company. You'd been in publishing all your life, basically. You have great experience with distribution and getting books to the market and so on. But tell tell the listeners a little about why you decided to start your own publishing company and what your mission is there. Sure, I'm happy to. So as uh, Richard says, I have uh, Michelle and I have nine children, and I had been in publishing since 1992, and I had um, navigated Gibbs Smith Publishing as their CEO for over 16 years through, and then through the the Great Recession. And by the time that was done, I was a little, I was a little beat up and burned out about that. And so one day I walked out my uh, my kitchen door, and I just had this idea. And the idea was that I could I create a company that had as its foundation the proclamation to the world, the family, and that I that could I create books that um, for a global audience, regardless of religious affiliation or any religion, that leaned into what we thought were the habits that would help families be happy. And so I launched uh, in, on February 15th, 2012, a company called Familius, which has as its mission um, to help families be happy. And so now we, um, we've been very fortunate. Uh, five consecutive years, we've been one of the top 10 fastest growing independent publishers in the country. Uh, we have over 500 books in print, and we've been you know, leaning into that objective as much as possible. And, and we have what we call the 10 habits of happy families. And these are work together, love together, re heal together, play together, talk together, learn together, laugh together, read together, give together, and of course, eat together. And uh, <laughs> so th- these these uh, habits are what you had. You had notes for that, Christopher. You, you can't have memorized all nine of those. <laughs> <laughs> All ten of those. <laughs> well, we actually used to have nine. Oh, <laughs> and then during the pandemic, 
when I saw everyone so depressed and anxious and so frustrated. Uh, it was December, and I said, you know, every time I felt better, I've been I've been doing something for someone else. I've been giving of my time and energy, and and I said we have to create a new habit, and that is give together. And so oh. now we have this that one. That's great. I thought you were going to say the tenth one was eat together because you were always happier when you were eating. No, that's the first <laughs> one. We, we start with eat together. Start with that one. Well, I'm just adding my perspective to that because I know our, our listeners are interested in in Linda and I and how we came to publish with you. I'll just throw in that we we at the, about the same time that Christopher's talking about in 2012 or so, we were. I'll just be blunt. We were fed up with big publishers. We 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 had published with Random House and with St. Martin's Press and with Simon and Schuster. And the problem with these big monolithic publishers is that they they publish too many books and they try to do too much with them. And they, you, you know, if you're a bestseller, I tell you, Christopher knows this. When we had our number one New York Times bestseller, we were royalty with Random House and with Simon & Schuster. Lunch in the Rainbow Room in New York and book tours and anything we wanted, senior, senior publicists. <laughs> But their their basic modus operandi is, what have you done for me yesterday? And after a year or two of uh, the bestseller not being a bestseller, we were getting, you know, junior people trying to handle publicity and couldn't even talk to the senior publishers. It was hard to get through to them. And and I thought, you know, we need a publisher who's more like a partner than, than like a big... Uh, conglomerate of some kind and that's about the time we found you Christopher and I I hope your memory is the same but I remember our first phone call and uh I knew after 2 minutes we wanted you to be our publisher wow it's almost like like dating yeah that's right <laughs> that's right it was love at first sight <laughs> well and I and I think just the name. Let's talk about the name. So, so Christopher forms this new company and calls it Familius. Honestly, I don't know. Is that a word in another language, or is that a word you made up to describe your mission? Well, it it does have some Latin roots, but where it really comes from is there's this film which is a parody of the Iliad and the Odyssey by Homer, and it's called "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou." And oh, in this film, right. in this film, George Clooney, who plays who plays Odysseus, calls himself the Potter Familius. And I thought that was so funny that when I created Familius and was thinking of a name, I just said, you know, let's just call it Familius because I think people think of it as family, and and it, it has this sense of humor that that I enjoy. Well, it sounds kind of literary and kind of Latin rooted and so on, but I I hadn't I hadn't heard about. I mean, it's one of my favorite movies, the Coen Brothers, right? Right. <laughs> Their movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And, you know, based, I guess, loosely on the Odyssey. And uh, it's a funny movie. And I can, knowing you, I can just see you thinking, oh, Pater Familius and remembering that name. And boom, there's your company. Yeah, I'm, I'm the Pater Familius. I'm bona fide. 
<laughs> you're mortified, and you could use that. Uh, what was the the hair oil that he used? Sorry, I'm, a, I'm a Dapper Dan man. Dapper Dan. Man. <laughs> We've got a couple of our kids that can they can carry on a whole conversation doing nothing but quotations from "Oh brother, where art thou?" <laughs> so that's great. Well, um, so. Talk a little more about Familius. I mean, you, you, you. As far as I know, you don't publish anything that is not fairly directly related to marriage or parenting or family or relationship. Or don't forget the kids, the children's books that that create that magic of parents reading to children. I mean, how do, how early did you set up that criteria and how? How do you how do you seek out the books you want, and how do you decide amongst the books that are submitted to you? Sure. So, um, like I mentioned, you know, our mission is to help families be happy. Um, I've never met a family who didn't say, you know, we'd like to be happy. No one ever says, I, I don't want to have a happy family, right? So there's a common denominator, and that's global. Um, so what we do is we we try to create books that lean into any situation that a family might have. So, for example, maybe you have a truculent teenager. So we have a really wonderful book with uh, Brad uh, Wilcox called, you know, How to Hug a Hedgehog. And uh, we have a title. Maybe you have we have maybe you want to you want to play games with your family. You need to play together. You need to have opportunity to interact that way. Well, we have a book called a uh, hundred one. Um, the big book of family games, which is 101 games that you can play with only paper and pencil. Um, you know, we want families to eat together. I mean, the, the, that dining room is like the conference table of a family. There's so much that can happen around a good meal, getting getting a family to, to prepare and cook and eat together. And so we have a whole line of, of really wonderful cookbooks. You know, I, I could go on and all the different things. We have parenting books, we have, you know, relationship books. And again, we this we live in a pluralistic society, and we live in a very diverse society. And so we try to publish books that any family can appreciate and find um, context for them. How we go about it is just like any other publisher. We have our own ideas, and of course, we have agents that come to us, and then we have individual authors who present ideas like you did. And we we look at them and say, first, does this book meet within our mission? And in some way, does it help families be happy? If it, if it passes that criteria then, you know, is there a market for this? The, the, the book book industry is saturated. There's, there, there's no other industry that has so many new products released every year. Right. right. It's a completely red ocean in terms of just there's blood in the water and how much is going on. So we have to see, is there a market for it? And then if there is a market for it, can we market to that market? Do we have strength in those distribution channels? Do we have strength in those marketing channels? And then, you know, who is the author? Does the author right. have platform and, right. and if those things start to fall into place then you know we're pretty excited to to try to you know sink our teeth in this and then create something that we think will be uh beneficial to society as well as sell books so it's really i mean the 10 the 10 things you reel off that you're trying to do that the family should do together the 10 habits really sort of double as your publishing criteria i mean you're looking for things that further those habits essentially absolutely we want we would whatever type of family you have we want you to lean in to these habits because we're convinced they will help you 
have a happier life. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's so interesting that um, you talk about families in all their variety. You know that I was during the way back during the Reagan administration, uh, directed the White House conference on families, on parents and children. And one of the challenges we had is that everyone had a little different definition of what a family was or what a family is or what a family should be or could be. And um, how do you think that's evolving? I mean, it sounds to me like you're 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 not trying to shut anyone out. You're you're essentially correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but but everyone is part of a family in in, in one form or another. All right. Well, we we understand that um, that people have their own religious beliefs, for example, and they right. might define a family as a nuclear family with a with a, a husband and a wife. Well, Finless is not a religious publisher. I'm a religious person. And I govern myself based on my religious values. However, we we want to create a company that that anyone, regardless of family type, can can find a habit that, that will help them. And so, you know, maybe it's a single mother, you know, yeah. maybe it's grandparents raising children. We could go on all the different types of families there are. We we just we just want people to you know eat together, play together, work together. We want them to love together, which includes you know forgiveness. We, we just we want a happier world, and we think that we believe that uh, uh, that society is is built on families. Okay, and so we want to make sure that we do our best to help those families be a little better, and therefore we'll have a better society. I love that you. I love your last comment. I mean, we we. For so many years, we've all paid lip service or heard the world basically pay lip service to the idea that family is the basic unit of society. But there's a big gap between saying that and and really operating along those lines. And, you know, we know today that uh, I I can't tell you how many people I run into, Christopher, who uh, young couples, some of them come to try to we have some rentals and, and we get applicants from these young couples and none of them are married and and uh you know i'll I'll sometimes just as part of our rental interview say do you do you plan on making a commitment on getting married and they will say well maybe we need to have a few years under our belt to make sure we're compatible before we decide whether we will tie the knot and so on and 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 like you i what I want to do is preach to him and tell him, well, do you know the numbers? Do you know that the, the fact is you'll have twice as great a chance of still being together in five years if you get married than if you just continue to cohabitate? But but the point is, why make that judgment for someone else? And Because what they'll say is, well, we're already a family. We are a family. We live together, and we may have a child or we may not, and so on. And so... So I think there's a wonderful distinction in saying as a religious person or as a person who believes a certain thing, I think there is an ideal committed family relationship. And if I had a magic wand, I'd wave it over the whole world and we'd all share that. But in the meantime, which is forever, let's respect 
any relationship where people are trying to do the right thing and live together and form something lasting. And I think that's the broadest definition of family. Well, basically, I think we we have to meet people where they are, not where they're not, right? Right, exactly. Well, listen, we're going to take a brief break. Um, but again, for you just tuning in, I'm talking today to my good friend and our publisher, Christopher Robbins. By the way, how could I not want a publisher named Christopher Robbins? I mean, I grew up with Winnie the Pooh. And so, and this is not a stage name. This is Christopher's real name. <laughs> well, let's be clear. Christopher Robin, written by A.A. Milne on the Winnie the Pooh books, it is Robin. I haven't been Christopher Robbins, but yet, you know, it still works. It still works. So we'll take a brief break and we'll be back. Stay with us. We're talking about the future of publishing and the future of families. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back on Iyers on the Road. Richard, without Linda today, but with Christopher Robbins, our good friend and our publisher who runs and has done for, I just realized, Christopher, you've celebrated your 10th, this is your 11th, you've been 11 years, you're going into your 12th year as Familius, a publisher which specializes exclusively in books which help families and which help family relationships. And um, let's talk a little more, Christopher, about the future of families. Where do you, I mean, you know, you've watched this for a long time and you've seen it from a unique aspect and angle as someone who, whose whole mission is to publish things that help families are you gloom and doom about the future of families? Do you think, you know, the, the fact that the marriage rate is down, what bothers you and where's the hope? Well, no, I'm, I'm definitely not doom and gloom. I mean, as, uh, as quoted in Anna Green Gables to, to, uh, to despair is to turn your back on God. Right. So, mm. um, so no, I, I, I have great hope for the future. Um, now there are there are some headwinds. There are challenges. Uh, we know that the the global birth rates and even the North American birth rates and and the Utah birth rates are, are below replacement levels, which has a significant economic consequences um, on 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 the future. Um, but you know there there are still really wonderful things happening. You know, people get married. Um, people have families. Um, children are born and. Um, people are educating and 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 technology is is changing the world and and there's so many great things that are happening and, and so I think that we should we should celebrate those and and realize you know while we have challenges we we don't despair we find a way to improve so you know what 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 I can do as an individual is is do my best to raise I can only do my best to raise my family to be productive citizens and to help them contribute in in a positive way and what i can do with a company is is the same you know help other people you know have a family that um learn certain habits and skills that will help them be more productive and and 
and you know better citizens in a in a in a pluralistic society. I mean, really, it, it's so important for us to just you know respect other people and tolerate differences. There's so much division that's going on in the world that it will be really a panacea would be to just, you know, love each other. That's why Finland leans into love together. Uh, oh, absolutely. In fact, our, our listeners know that I just edited a book uh, for Deseret book called No Division Among You. And it's a, basically a book about unity. And But it starts off speaking of doom and gloom with with this sort of thing we're all feeling today of polarization and differences and different silos different tribes different news sources different politics and yet i i, I hear in what you're saying that, that that's what divides us is so much less than what unites us we're all human beings we live on this earth we have the same hopes and dreams when you really strip it all down and and I always love looking at the polls, which even though they're declines in marriage and so on, and people saying, I can't afford to get married, which is one of the tragedies that people think, you know, you have to have a certain amount of money or stability to get married. When in fact, if you want the money and stability, the best thing you could do is get married because all the statistics show married people do better economically and on and on but what i love is the polls christopher that when people are asked if they want to marry someday or if that's an aspiration they have it's in the high 80s or 90s i mean everyone we have this inbred human longing to share our lives and to be with those we love and so on and that, i don't think that'll ever change and I think that's where we're, we're we're both in our own way trying to encourage that. I mean, you know our our little you know alliteration motto. Uh, we're not we're not trying to preach to families in our writing. We're trying to popularize parenting and celebrate commitment and validate values and bolster balance. And and even now. <laughs> We're trying to glorify grandparenting because more and more families are thinking of themselves as three-generation families now. And where both parents work, the grandparents step in and help. And as you know, most of the world, family means three generations. They all live together. It's just in America and some of the other West where we sort of define a family as parents and kids, a, a nuclear family. Family's more than that. And I'll have people come up and say, well, I, I I don't read your books because I don't have a family. And I'm and my inclination is to say, well, where did you come from then? You have parents, you have siblings, you have, you know, we're all part of a family. And the more we can encourage that kind of inclusivity, the 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 less divided we'll be. I mean, the family is what pulls us together, even when politics and other things try to pull us apart. All right, just just think about the wonderful things that are happening with with people interested in their own family history globally, right? It's roots and branches. Oh, yeah, and just think yeah. involved in roots. And so, you know, clearly people are interested in their family. They want to know where they came from and they want to be able to have a story that can you know, be propelled for for generations. So there's there's some really wonderful things. You know, I in terms of division, you know, there's in in my opinion, there's a a really uh, tragic thing happening right now that I that it's this interest in in book banning, 
And I was yeah. I, I was in a meeting as a couple of weeks ago where um, a woman was was well intentioned in wanting to have books removed from uh, the local library, and I had to provide a, a counterpoint. And um, at the end, I said, you know, I think that there are more common denominators with us than there are differences. So let's focus on those and see where we can go. Yeah, no, I, I just love that. Um, I feel like the future of publishing is also a great interest of both of ours. And we've all seen the changes. We, you know, you walk in, a, back in the day, Christopher, back in the heyday, I think of the 90s. I mean, we could walk in some Barnes and Noble on Fifth Avenue in New York and we could find you know, 20 of our of our latest book right there on the shelf. And now I don't know the numbers you do. I mean, there's there are probably 10 times as many books being published, but people can get them instantly and you're you'll find one book in the store and they can order it in. And of course, Audible has had a resurgence or, a, you know, is a big deal now. And we've got Kindle and We've got books in all these different forms, and there's there's so many books, and yet um, you still hear people saying, "Oh, well, they, you know, books are going to die out because people can get everything they want online and so on." What well, what do you see as the future of books? Yeah, it's it's interesting. First, I think that a book a book by itself is just an amazing piece of technology, right? It's you have all of this content that's between two covers on pages. You can mail it, you can give it, you can consume it, you can shelve it. I mean, it's it's a really amazing thing. Um, and it's existed for a long, long time, and it's really not going to go anywhere. However, it's interesting. You talk about the number of books. In just 2021, there were over 2.3 million self-published books put oh, on the market. Word. Wow. Just in, in one year, 2.3 million. And a lot of those are on Amazon. I mean, you can find them. They can, sure. can self-publish a book and get it out there. It's it's it, There are no barriers, as Michael Porter might say, there are no barriers to entry to book publishing. All barriers are fallen. But it, and if you look at, at just the largest publishers, so if we included Penguin Random House, Simon Schuster, Houghton Mifflin, HarperCollins, Classic, Disney, Macmillan, Abrams, Sourcebooks, John Wiley, if you put them all together, they they published it's just in frontless books last year about 50,000 books, okay? Huh. What's fascinating, out of those 50,000 books, 15% of them sold less than 12 copies in the first year. Oh, my gosh. So, and then, you know, it's it's and 66% of those books sold less than 1,000 copies in the first year. Wow. So, it's 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 a very difficult industry. Wait, uh, so two over two million self-published and and about fifty thousand by the largest publishers, and many of them fail. Yeah, the majority it's, of them fail. It's yeah. a very difficult industry to be in. So you, we we're in publishing because we love new ideas, and we love meeting new people who are have something to say, right. and it's a really really fun inspiring and enriching industry but it is it is it is not for the weak need well and and i think books have become in in one way of looking at it they've become more because we do a lot of speaking as you know and and the first question people ask when they're trying to decide whether to invite you to speak is what have you published and i think a lot of authors 
they do a book now, not thinking it'll sell 100,000 copies, but thinking I need the book as a credential. I need it to excerpt from into publications or online. It becomes sort of a foundation. I, I share your feeling. I mean, a book is, there's something powerful about a book. It lasts. Uh, I read an article recently saying, if you really want to preserve your own history, your own memories, your own thoughts, don't trust them to some computer. Don't leave them in some file online. They'll be forgotten. If, if they're totally forgotten, they might as well be gone. Put them on paper. We still have books that were written 2,000 years ago. That's how you preserve things, is use paper. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know about that in terms of what's the best meme. I know that that a book is a great technology, an ebook is a great technology, an audiobook is a great technology. We know that we're supposed to, as members of the LDS Church, Church of Christ, Letter of Saints, which would say, we're supposed to seek out of the best books. And at some point, we know that the records will be presented. How will they present it? As, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, maybe it will be maybe a scroll. Be, <laughs> I don't think it will be a scroll. But, you know, so books, books change lives. Books, I and mean, if you th if your audience thinks about the first time they read a book and how the world opened up to them, it is a magnificent yeah. experience. And it's far better than watching a film. Everyone Absolutely. knows, oh, I love the book better. Of course you love the book better because yeah. it's it, it, it happens in your own mind with your imagination and and you get to create it along with the, with the author. That's a, that's a magical experience. It is. And I wonder, Christopher, if all these merging forms, may, maybe they're all going to come together in some way. I mean, as you know, we... On, on this very show, on Ayers on the Road, we've now done 30 episodes that are called Three-Letter Lessons, where Linda and I spend a whole half hour talking about one little concept that we think could be helpful to people, particularly in families. And, and we're now going to write a book which is going to have a click in it. That's the thing. I don't under, I mean, on Kindle, you can't click it like you can on a computer, but we want to create some medium whereas people read this little book and they come to a concept they like, they can just hit a link and go directly to this audio to, to Ayers on the Road and hear a half hour discussion from Linda and I on that concept. And yep, you can do that. It's called an EPUB three. An EPUB. Okay. Well, you and I'll talk further about that because I want to I mean, you don't want to you don't want to have to type it in. You want to just jump from one media source to another and get it audio or get it in writing or get it in poetry or get it any any way you want it, right? Yes. And it was only going to get better. Because that's why we should it, we're the the education has been democratized okay it, it everyone almost everyone in the world now has access to the internet and that allows us to consume content read good books and find ways to improve our lives and so it's there's great hope for the future well in the last minute or so christopher and thank you you i've learned a lot and i thought i knew everything you knew but boy i learned a lot of new things today um in the last minute or so I'd like to ask you, and I'm sorry for not giving you any warning on this, but what are you most excited about right now in publishing and in family? You can be personal, your own family, but what what excites you most about the future 
of of publishing and personally, what excites you most right now about your family or about families in general? <laughs> uh, well, families. What am I excited about? Families. Um, I'm excited that uh, that governments around the world um, are understand um, the risks of a declining population to their country. And so mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. doing things to try to help that. Now, um, mm-hmm. who knows what will happen? But uh, we we certainly know that there's always there's always positive and people you know dig dig into something to try to make something move. So I think that is exciting that we're we're trying to we're trying to have we're trying to bring people into this world right. um, and raise them well. In terms of publishing, um, I'm pretty fascinated with generative artificial intelligence, and I've been doing a lot of study on it. And people are there's you know, people are nervous about it, but I think this is this is an inflection point in our economy. It's an inflection point in publishing, and whenever you have something like this, there's tremendous opportunity. And so I'm really excited about um, what we what we're going to be able to see come out of uh, generative artificial intelligence. That's a great answer. Instead of fearing it, let's embrace it and let's make it work for us. Christopher, you're a good friend. You're a great publisher. Linda sends her best. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us on Iyer's on the Road. And we'll see you next time with Richard and Linda Iyer.